Check it on the stick. chicken on a stick hello everyone welcome back to another episode welcome welcome today we're talking about one of my favorite movies Mm -hmm. and not even just movie favorite like literally my favorite book right Uh, i love the manga that was created out of it the movie everything to do with it basically uh and that is battle royale battle royale i had never heard of this until i met you and you brought it up and I remember, I remember you telling me what the premise vaguely was, and I was like, ooh, that kind of sounds like something I'd be interested in. I love dystopian stuff. I love the Hunger Games, like I've said before. I love those books, all of that. So I, I, I wish that I had watched it sooner until you mentioned it. Yeah, well, we'll get into all that yeah. uh, here in a moment. バトルロワイヤルの楽しいなと書き方、監修ビアルホー推進会。試合を学園3年 Okay, so just to start off, a little sort of history for this, because... It is, as you said, I introduced this to you, Mm -hmm. and I got introduced to it through a friend in high school. I was going to ask you how old you were when you... I don't know for certain the year. Mm -hmm. It would have been, if I had to guess, 2005, 6, I think 7's pushing it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I already knew about it in my senior year, I know that for sure, so it was either my... sophomore or junior year that i got introduced to this so 2005 2006 uh about roughly five years after the movie was originally released in japan and what, what was the first way that you that's what i'm that's what i'm oh, gonna tell gonna so i had this friend named russell um who him and a, another few friends there was a place out in the middle of nowhere uh in the town that we went to high school in And this guy owned this store. I'll just call it a store. And this place changed what it was every, like, year or something. He just tried out a bunch of different businesses. At one point, it was, like, a recording studio where people, you could get instruments and had a sound booth and everything like that. Cool. Uh, But in this, for this case, it was a video rental place. Like, literally... Going into as, like, blockbusters die, like, basically uh, gone, yeah. not quite gone, but basically gone, other video rental places are dying out, yeah. whatever, for whatever reason this guy decided to make a video rental place. I have a lot of interesting stories from, from this place, because this is where 
through the guy who owned that place and my friends who worked there is how I saw, I went and saw Saw 3 in theaters. It was the first Saw movie I'd seen. The uh, first Saw movie you saw was Saw 3? I'm pretty first sure. Saw movie you saw was Saw 3? Saw it opening night, and then I saw every Saw movie after that opening night. Midnight showings, back when they did midnight showings. Um, anyway, so I went up there to just, like, hang out one day. It was, I was so cool. I went to hang out at a video rental store while my friends oh, were working. Yeah. And we are sitting there. Right, Kevin Smith. And he randomly just asks me if I'd ever seen Battle Royale or if I've ever heard of it. And I was like, no. And again, this is like, I'm going to guess probably 2006. That's going to be my actual guess. Because... I'm pretty sure we watched the entire movie on early YouTube. Uh, I'm pretty sure he pulled it up on his work computer. It was YouTube in the early days, like literally just as YouTube started. And I think we watched the full thing from there with like subtitles, probably like fan-made subtitles, so things might not have even been completely correct or whatever. But we watched the entire thing that night, all two hours of it that night. And I was hooked yeah. instantly i wanted to know more about this i wanted to know like who made it everything um so i very quickly learned that it was an adaptation of a novel right. of the same name that had come out in japan in 1999 that was fully published in 1999 um so that be- that began my love affair yeah that's a really i think that's a really cute story how <laughs> to get hooked into, into something was it, like, one of those, like, family rental family? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it was basically a video rental store yeah. like any other place. That's really cute. Like I said, it didn't last. It changed into yeah. something else. I think at one point it was, like, a vape store. I don't know if that came before or after the sound, rec- like, the whatever you'd call it, the recording studio or something. That's funny. Um, so, anyway, just to give a little bit of backstory to Battle Royale itself... Battle Royale's the first and only, I'm pretty sure, novel from... I tried to look up how to pronounce this, but I'm still going to butcher every Japanese name in here. And there's an Italian name I'm probably going to get wrong, too. Just do um, my best. <laughs> but Kushin Takami, Takami was the author of this book. Uh, he originally completed it in 1996 and then entered it into a contest a writing contest for horror genre stories in 1997. And it got to, like, the judges and everything, and reportedly all of them loved it, but because of what it was about with students killing each other, they did not let it win, and instead that year they gave nobody the win. They wanted to give it to that, but because of the context, they did not, or because of the contents, they did not give it to him. Um, Then a few years later... In 1999, it was published, uh, and the story tells about a program, a death program, Mm -hmm. run by a fictional fascist totalitarian Japanese government known as the Greater, the Republic of Greater East Asia. So not specific, it's based in Japan, it's Japanese characters, but in this world, they've like conquered territory on i guess mainland asia and have become this larger thing um and it's such the the whole background to the novel is interesting 
in and of itself. Yeah. We're going to get to the movie. I just want to give a little bit of kind of history to the whole story to begin with. All the backstory is so fascinating. Yeah. Um, And it's important to know that while we're going through this, we're specifically going to focus on the movie itself because we could spend hours discussing the differences between the novel, the manga, the movie, Mm -hmm. from really small things to major things like there are four characters throughout that die or get killed by different people in each source and there's only four of them and then there's like specific people who die later in the timeline or earlier in the timeline there's all this stuff so there's a lot of things you can add or take or i quite literally suggest everybody Mm -hmm. if you like the movie read the novel read the manga you can't get the manga the manga is out of print so look it up online if you want to read it you have the book book i did I think somebody took it oh, and never gave it back. We, I know that you have the manga because you showed mm-hmm. me that before. But, but they still make the, the book. Yeah, the book still gets made. Yeah. Okay. I could go to Barnes & Noble right now and probably get it. Oh, um, it's a nice 600-something pages. <laughs> yeah, it's a long one. Uh, <laughs> I glitched for a second. I was calculating how big of a book that is. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Takami says... In the 90s, he came up with the original concept for Battle Royale after having a dream. He stated this in 2009. I was lying in my futon, half asleep, half awake, and got the mental image of a teacher from a school drama I saw on TV long ago. He said, All right, class, listen up. Now today, I'm going to have you kill each other. The image of him grinning as he spoke so vivid, I laughed, uh, but was also terrified. And with just that, I knew I had something to write about. That's a quote from him in 2009. Uh, Then, from there, he kind of came up with the title after discussing the concept with friends who said it sounded sort of like pro wrestling. They do, like, uh, WWE, the the, biggest one worldwide, does uh, their, like, Royal Rumble, which is, like, last man standing. A bunch of people come in, you try and throw them over the rope, whatever. It's basically the general concept. Wasn't there something that you said earlier, too, about Stephen King? I'm getting there. Okay. Um, super tangent, by the way, yeah. for WWE and the Royal Rumble. The first ever Royal Rumble was won by Hacksaw Jim Duggan. You know where Hacksaw Jim Duggan's from? Where? The same town I was born in. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. His name is Hacksaw... Well, his wrestling name. Hacksaw is... Jim Duggan. Jim Duggan. Yeah. Sounds very Southern. It does, but he's from upstate New York in the middle of nowhere. That doesn't sound like upstate New York to me. Um, uh, Anyway, back on topic. That was just a little random tangent. Um, So he then took an interest in the social aspect of Battle Royale, because it's more than just, like, kids killing each other for laughs. There's quite literally... And one thing I'll get to when we talk about the actual movie is why I don't I wouldn't rate it like a perfect score mm-hmm. uh, because there's a lot of stuff from the novel and things that don't and obviously no book is like perfectly translated right. um, but anyway so he worked on like the social aspects of it how you would like how do you make friends turn on each other right. and then maybe enemies will ally against somebody and things like that um, and he took a lot of that inspiration 
like thinking about that and then the world building was inspired by his upbringing in the 1960s in japan when there were large groups of revolutionaries who fought back against police brutality um and his depiction of the totalian totalitarian fascist government was also influenced by his favorite stephen king novel the long walk i thought this was so fascinating i had no idea which is just a long another dystopian future with a totalitarian government that there's a walking contest and people die during it my list of books that i need to read just keeps growing and growing and growing and it's a mile long yeah like now i want to i want to read the stephen king book i want to read the actual original battle royale i want to read whatever um might inspire something so interesting i mean i'll i'll get the novel again i just never picked it up because i swear i thought i had it and i swear i saw it at some point and then it just vanishes one of your friends must have saw almost certainly i I probably suggested it to somebody and let them borrow it it and then moved and they moved or something and it just kind of got lost in the shuffle that shuffle that happens that does happen um so immediately after this came out again remember this published in 1999 Mm -hmm. film adaptation manga adaptation basically immediately um the manga adaptation which was co-written by takami himself so he kind of took what he wrote and fleshes it out or some of the characters out kind of changes them a little bit to be definitely more anime Mm -hmm. but like you said when i when we were talking about manga the other day and you for some reason think like it's for kids it is not for kids i don't know why i thought that i thought manga was like cartoons but I don't know why you think that. But like there's there's a lot of nudity and extreme violence in the manga. It's crazy. Um, I suggest anybody who's into like horror, uh, violent type stuff, or again, if you just like the movie and you are like an anime fan, or, or seek it out. I don't necessarily suggest buying it because again, and especially if you are looking for like a translated version, mm-hmm. uh, they're out of print. And a notoriously not great translation to begin with. There's a lot of things that the person who translated it contradicts himself with, like, when the story's actually taking place and some other things aren't translated right. Uh, Which is why, partially, that it's out of print. And some of those volumes go for, like, I probably bought them for maybe $20. Some of them are going for, like, $90 now. No kidding. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Um, But it's great. It's the... It's... The animation for it, mm-hmm. I say animation, but it's it's <laughs> 2D pictures. Yeah. The drawings for it are amazing. They're super detailed and stuff. So when people's heads are, like, getting blown off, it is very gory. Like, teeth and eyeballs and things flying all no. over the place. You would hate it. Oh. <laughs> you would absolutely hate it. I was so interested there for a minute. Uh, oh, I don't think you'd get past the first volume, to be honest. That? No. The first, like, two chapters, and you'd be like, oh, no. Nope. Not, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> not my scene. Uh, but more importantly, the thing we're actually here to talk about, which is the film adaptation, which came out in 2000, uh, directed, feature film with the same name, mm-hmm. directed by a very famous Japanese filmmaker uh, named uh, Kinji Fukasaku. It's a cool Probably name. totally mispronounced that. <laughs> um, cool. This was his final feature film that he made. 
He unfortunately passed away during the making of the sequel film in 2003. Um, but he was famous in Japan, and shout out to uh, Nico from the Good, the Bad, and the Weird podcast, oh, yeah. who watches tons of Japanese films. I bet you he's probably seen some of this man's Yakuza films. Hmm. Uh, most notably was a series that he did called Battles Without Honor and Humanity. Uh, which was between the se- 1973 and 1976, apparently. Um, apparently, they share a lot. I've not seen any of them, but when I was kind of looking up a little bit of information to kind of talk about all this, yeah. they share a lot of similarities in that in those stories, these Yakuza films, the action is sort of shot pretty frantically and stuff, mm-hmm. similar to how Battle Royale's done. Right. So he definitely had, like, a style. And characters who are more, like the good characters are sort of innocent Mm -hmm. often die out first while as the people who are more like bad or evil kind of stand around longer so he carried over a lot of that stuff in between um so he made he directed this film um it stars most specifically there's two actors in this movie who American audiences might know from other work. And one of them you know for sure. And she is... <laughs> I'm also thinking currently right now, like, how quickly I'd be killed off under that, ID, that idea that oh, more innocent people... Instantly. Dead. You'd literally try to group <laughs> up with somebody and be taken out. I'll, I'll tell you exactly who I think you'd be when we're going through this. Okay. <laughs> so. But you don't outlive me. The act, yes. The oh yes, <laughs> the the actress that I think most people would recognize yes. in this. Um, is her name, uh, Chiaki Kurayami, who did Battle Royale again in two thousand and. As Quentin Tarantino said in 2009, Battle Royale was his favorite film of the last, like, two decades. So cool. cool. And he took inspiration from Battle Royale when he made the movie Kill Bill Mm -hmm. in 2003. And in Kill Bill Volume 1, Kuriyami is in that movie as everybody's favorite little Japanese schoolgirl. Go, go, you, Bari! Go, go, you, Bari. Sort of as a reference to her role in battle royale and so that she's cool. a school of like a violent school girl yeah. sort of situation um she's also in a movie this is another kind of random tangent uh of films that i would suggest people watch that is an adaptation of a very old manga i've never read uh but i randomly watched the first movie and then i watched the second movie she's also in the second azumi movie love and death um hmm. Two really good movies back to back. Anyway, those are the three movies that I know her from. She is so good in Kill Bill. Yeah. So good. She's like young and has this like cute, innocent, like she hand over my mouth giggles, but then like will rip you apart, literally. Mm-hmm. It's such a great character. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, and then. Basically, the main character of the movies, uh, Shuya, or the character Shuya Nanahara, is played by uh, Tatsuya Fujiwara, who would be known more like the anime fan people uh, who maybe seek out live 
action adaptations of their favorite series. Most notably, he played Light Yagami in the Death Note live-action versions. I keep hearing so many things about Death Note. Mm -hmm. And he was also uh, in the live-action Rurouni Kenshin films as Shishio Makoto, who was a villain who was all bandaged up and stuff. So it didn't really matter because you probably wouldn't have recognized his face all wrapped in bandages. I never watched that, but I know that my brother marked it. We watched one of them. Did we? I think we watched maybe the first one. Uh, I think I forced you to watch the, the first he's one. He's the one with the red hair, right? No. That's the main character. That's oh, Kenshin, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. No, he played a villain in, I think, the second and third movies. Um, anyway, anyway. Those, basically those are two actors that a lot of more general people might know. More specifically, the one who was in Kill Bill, because that's you yeah. know a Western audience. Tarantino, tons of people watch those things and mm-hmm. like Kill Bill. So, um, made by Toei Company, and, and really the who Toei has their hands in so many things. Mm-hmm. Uh, any Japanese movie I've probably shown you is Toei. Really? Everything One Piece is Toei. <laughs> uh, their animation studio and stuff like that. The one last thing I'd really talk about before we kind of get into this is, um, the music. To start yeah. off, the opening, when we see, like, the Toei Company animation, which is the water crashing against those rocks. Yeah. Um, I wanted to look this up and make note of it because it's very interesting is that that song is called... Oh, man, I just looked up how to pronounce this and I already forgot. I don't know. Uh, Dice Irai? It looks like Dice I-R-A-E. It's Italian. Okay. It is... Made by Giuseppe Verde, Verdi, Verdi, totally mispronounced that. Um, an Italian composer who made a lot of operas, Most one of his most famous is called Requiem, and that is one of the main songs that is played throughout, and watching it with an opera with subtitles, you realize that the words that are being said uh, say things like... Um, uh, like death today or something like very dark stuff that fits so perfectly with what's about to happen um and it's like a really kind of like haunting song to start this off we haven't even seen any characters or nothing i'm gonna have to look that up and already it feels like to me it kind of like sets the tone of what's to come it feels ominous i guess is the way to say it uh Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, now we can get into the movie. Sorry about, like, 20 minutes of rambling mm-hmm. on about random things. The movie opens, and mm-hmm. we're sort of seeing this news firestorm kind of happening. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of... We see a news anchor, we see helicopters, like a news chopper, a bunch of other news personnel, personnel there, and they're surrounding this, like, motorcade. Uh... And, and we're getting from the reporter that after so many days, how many hours, we have a winner to this year's Battle Royale program. And and then we get a close-up, and it's this little girl hugging a, a bear, yeah. all bloody, with this like super sadistic she's grin like, on her face. She's fucking creepy as shit. Very, very creepy looking. Did not care for that. <laughs> yeah. Um... So basically, we get a little opening 
kind of scroll, sort of, not really a scroll, but opening text that kind of breaks down what this world really looks like. And, yeah. and basically, uh, the Japanese government in the near future has instituted this law, the Battle Royale Law, which mm-hmm. is basically to curb juvenile delinquency crime rates. Right. They've randomly select a class mm-hmm. of junior high students roughly like 15 16 years old generally right. to actually that's probably not right but what we'll just say that those are the age ranges but um <laughs> they randomly select the class put them into this program right. have all of the students battle until there's one left and the idea is um that this will show basically curb anybody trying to revolt against the government or, right. or against the adults. The movie very specifically isn't necessarily saying revolting against the government as much as it is like kids these days are shitty to adults and they're all troublemakers and, and bad youths and whatever, mm-hmm. which is slightly different idea from what the novel is, where the novel's very much it's protesting against like, the government and stuff of, of what's going on um, in their world. Also, this one, strangely, even though this is reported on the news, none of the students seem to know what this what? law is or anything. Yeah, which, they were very out of the... They seemed out of the loop. They were out of the loop, yeah. And the other versions, and I'm going to stop doing this, but I feel like this is sort of a something that it seems like a weird omission that the students wouldn't know but it's something that's reported on by like mm-hmm. you know i assume if this was happening in our world msnbc fox news whatever everybody would be there re- reporting like here's the winner here's TMZ. the winner um so the students don't know but in the other versions we do deliberately see where some of the students had seen it on tv or even make comments like I made a bet last year that this person would win or something. So they're more aware in the other versions of the story than they are in this version. Which doesn't necessarily add or take too much away from the overall story. It's just a weird kind of, like, how do you live in a world where this is happening every single year and is being reported on, but you're, like, like, you just don't know? Maybe their media intake is limited like maybe the parents aren't letting them watch the news or watch tv or i don't know this is one of those situations where i gotta realize that i've got like movies and youtube and twitch and things are plugged directly into my brain so i'm absorbing all this stuff constantly so if i was in their world i would have probably been able to rattle off the last like 10 winners (laughs) or something or it's like i don't want to reference that blasphemous hunger games (laughs) Anyway, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, So, once we get past this, we get to... We meet uh, our main character, Shuya Nanahara, who is on a school trip with all of his classmates. Uh, We kind of meet a couple of them. We see everybody's kind of having fun and whatever. We see the teacher in the background playing, like, patty cakes with Mm -hmm. the girls or something. Uh, and then we see Noriko, the main girl, 
uh, bring over Shuya some cookies, mm-hmm. and then her friend Megumi wants to take a picture, and his best friend Nobu jumps in the frame, and there's a photo and all this sort of stuff. In the photo, Nobu's head's cut off right. from the photo. A little subtle foreshadowing. Yeah. He, uh, he was also like, why'd you cut my head off in this picture? Mm-hmm. Take another one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then shortly, while they're on the bus, we see... Shuya notices that they're passing military personnel on the side of the road. The teacher also notices, but nobody else seems to notice. They go into this tunnel, and then everything sort of fades to black. Mm -hmm. We open our eyes, Shuya opens his eyes, and we see everybody's asleep. You think it's kind of harmless at first until all of a sudden there's like this uh, sort of like stewardess bus attendant. I don't know what you'd call what she's supposed to be exactly but she turns around and she's got a gas mask on her and the driver have a gas mask on so you realize everybody's been gassed Mm -hmm. and shuya gets clobbered over the head to knock him back out yeah shouldn't have been awake Mm -hmm. we find out uh during all this that shuya himself has had troubles in his past his father uh took his own life Mm -hmm. but left notes for shuya saying go shuya i believe in you you can do it that you know those sort of things so shuya went on to be live at a foster care facility or an orphanage right. uh, which is where he met nobu so both of them are like orphans that live in this place they actually are they basically are roommates mm-hmm. um so that's why they're really close and we get to see also that noriko uh, our main female lead in this is really kind really considerate she's nice she shows up to her classroom while nobody else is there yeah uh and we see the teacher katano for the first time um who's like whatever no big deal um and as they're both leaving the classroom nobu comes out and slices the back of katano's leg with yeah uh like a little pocket knife thing and noriko picks it up and hides it behind her back and katano doesn't really react to her or anything just washes off the wound and walks away um which is also sort of setting up this weird dynamic that is going to come into play a few times throughout the film uh so we also get to see during all this as well a little we get to see this basketball game game it's almost mm-hmm. like a dream sequence almost we see it time and time throughout this movie where there's a basketball game we see all of the classmates that we're going to see throughout this film are there being cheerleaders just watching playing um all that sort of stuff every single one of them's there and we jump back to that a lot throughout the movie just to you know show i guess show the simpler happier times of everybody's lives i think it was also to kind of pull you back into seeing them be more humanized or seeing them you know when in your life you would never think that you would be in this sort of situation so you're maybe almost taking for granted the easy simple things i feel like that's that could be an idea could be um so once they all wake up they're in this sort of like dilapidated classroom Mm -hmm. it's not really like fully dilapidated but there's some there's some weird stuff here that doesn't like make too much sense unless you think that they're reusing the same island every year for this this battle royale program because they wake up katano walks in 
their former seventh year teacher, as he says, and behind him is a bunch of military, a bunch of soldiers with uh, guns uh, all there, kind of yelling at them, pushing them, getting them all in place, that sort of thing. And during all this, like, chaos that's sort of going on, um, he tells them, he sits them all down and goes, do any of you know what this BR law is? Right. And they're like, no, which is the part where I'm like, how, that doesn't, how that do doesn't really make sense. Yeah. But whatever, no big deal. He explains to them, they're all on a deserted island, uh, and basically, they have three days, they've got to kill each other, last person standing. Uh, as as a way, because all these kids are shitty to adults, this is their punishment. Yeah. Uh, during this, um, Nobu gets up and kind of, because him and the teacher have had their history of Nobu like stabbing him and all this stuff, mm-hmm. tries to sort of like yell at him, gets pushed back by the, pol- uh, the police, <laughs> the military. The military Noriko gets shot in the leg at one point during this. Uh, so she's got a little bit of a wound from all the crazy going-ons. And while they're watching this video that Kitano turns on for him, which is very upbeat, very happy, yeah. explaining to them like the rules that this island has been evacuated, which is this is the part that confuses me, because they say the island's been evacuated. Okay. A lot of the buildings and stuff look really run down. Right. There's a lot of vegetation overgrown everywhere. So it's like, has it been evacuated for many years? Or did they only evacuate it for this one year? And if so, man, the people who live here are not taking care of anything, any of their buildings. Is that the video that has the lady that's like... The le- uh-huh. she's, she's like She's like throwing peace signs and she's being real cute and she's like cosplaying like a soldier a little yeah. bit. And she's just like... She's supposed to be, like, upbeat to yeah, get them in the mood to murder. We're so excited to have you here. You're gonna all die. Like, oh my god. <laughs> I like when she... Uh, she explains that the island's been... Um, basically, they've got a grid on it with right. different squares. And at uh, 12 and 6 p.m. a.m. and p.m., they announce new locations that are off limits, right. and if you're in those off limit zones, your collar that you have on will activate and detonate, and boom. <laughs> did you did we bring that up the collars before? No, I'm just mentioning them. Oh yeah, yeah. That the way that she goes boom like little anime characters. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. Like it's so fun. So yeah, so now all of the students are aware yeah. that. We very much see all of them, like, grab their collars at this yeah. point to be like, oh, shit, this thing can explode. Um, and during this, um, we see Katana do a couple things. One, early on, there's two girls kind of talking to each other, and he throws a piece of chalk at them right. and says, stop talking. Like, pay attention, stop talking. And during the video, he hears somebody else whispering, and this time, he throws a knife. Yep. Straight into her forehead. Just really great aim, I guess. Yeah. That part, like, really kind of took me back. That was where I realized that I don't like this guy, and he's a little too nonchalant 
about this whole situation. And this is this is an interesting and worthwhile note to talk about from the difference of the versions of this story is that each story has a teacher okay. uh, or air, oh, right. air quotes teacher, a person running the program. Right. In the movie, it's Kitano, who was their previous teacher from like a year ago, right. uh, a year or two ago. It's, um, and so he knows them. He knows all of these students mm-hmm. on a sort of personal level. He yeah. kind of has a vendetta against Nobu. He, uh, he likes Noriko because she was always nice and kind to him. In the other versions, the novel has a different guy who's running the program who has no connection to any of them. The manga has a different guy who has no connection to any of them. The manga is the most sadistic and fucked up one of all of them. Um, And this one is... He's not as fucked up. He does kill two students. He's pretty fucked up. The program head running guy kills two students in each one. Both... Um, Fujiyoshi, she gets a knife thrown into her head in each each one, and Nobu gets killed in each one, although he does not get killed the same way in each one. Um, in the movie, after all of this has been done, uh, and, and Noriko's been shot, Nobu kind of runs at the teacher because he's got a crush on, no, uh, on Noriko, so he wants to kind of protect her, and he gets grabbed by one of the military guys. Yeah. And just to show, like, don't get out of line or else, Katano holds up a remote control, presses a button, and Nobu's collar starts to activate. And while he's running around, because now everybody understands that this, like, your collar can explode, he's being pushed away from everybody, and then we get the scene of him yelling, Shuya! And Shuya yelling, Nobu! And then his collar explodes. Oh, I don't like that. And his throat... Projectiles, blood, lots of blood spraying out. I don't like that. I don't like that version. (laughs) Um, At this point, this is what I was talking about, like the foreshadowing a little bit, which is the photo. Shuya picks up the photo again and looks at it. Yeah. And we see Nobu's head's cut off. His head, his neck got exploded, and specifically where his head is cut off is now like a bunch of blood over the side of his face. Oh yeah. Um. So that was just a little you know, fun little thing in there. Uh, after all of this has happened, um, they tell everybody, we're going to call you one at a time. Mm-hmm. You come up here, you grab a bag. It's got some survival stuff in there. It's going to have a map. It's got a compass, flashlight, some water, some a, random, a little bit of food, and then a random weapon. It is completely randomized. You can I get, think that's such bullshit. You can get all sorts of things, as can, we learn. You can get a gun, or you can get a spoon, you can get a piece of yarn. Uh-huh. Or an axe. The The movie doesn't delve in it so much. Um, we do see Shuya and Noriko get probably the worst things out of out of everybody. And that Shuya gets a pot lid. And Noriko like, gets, gets binoculars. Wait, why would you... Why is that even an option? Um, I can't use that. What are you going to use the lid for? You know, the binoculars seem a little bit useful, not necessarily as a combat weapon, but you could, like, get up high and look, yeah. look somewhere. The pot lid, nothing. Nothing. In, in the other versions, Noriko gets a boomerang, which is also probably just as useless. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, I don't know how to work that. It's probably more useless than the binoculars, to be Maybe. honest. Uh, but yeah, we, we see a couple things, like uh, somebody does get a paper fan, 
Yeah. Uh, but that's, like, very small. A lot of the times, we see mostly more useful weapons that people got. There's quite a few guns, a GPS, uh, a sickle, some knives, taser, um, poison, which we'll get to. Um, so, generally, there seems to be mostly useful things, but there has there was a few things that you see here and there that are just like, And well, then that a sucks. pot lid. Yeah. The pot lid is by far... No, well, I take that back. The paper fan is definitely the worst thing that anybody would have got, yeah. but it is shown for two seconds um, before the person trades up for something better. Uh, but the pot lid is definitely like they, they couldn't give them the, a pot and the pot lid. It was for just, what? What's he gonna do? I don't know. I could have hit someone over the head with a pot. I guess. And then I don't know. Whack them with the pot lid, but only <laughs> the guess. pot lid. That's I, I don't know. Um, so at this point, everybody's leaving one at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of like the friends are like, "We'll be with each other. We'll meet up." Yeah. Um, all that sort of stuff, you know, boyfriends, girlfriends, being like, bye, I'll meet you out there. Uh, during all this, we have seen two unknown figures in the back of the room. Mm-hmm. They get introduced at this point when they get called. Boy number six is Shogo Kawada, and he comes up, and he comes running out, gets a bag, leaves. Then the next person's called, and it's uh, Kiriyama gets called, and he comes up, and uh, Kawada comes back in, Shogo comes back in, and says, this isn't my bag, throws it down, grabs a different bag. And yeah. before both of them leave, Kitano points out, you may have noticed these two, they're pretty dangerous. Yeah. And then lets them leave. Um, then we get to um, Shuya leaves, and Shuya goes outside, and Shuya, since he's our central character, we're following him. When he gets outside... All of a sudden, one of the earlier people who left walks up to him, and she has an arrow sticking through her neck. Yeah, that was gross. And she falls over dead. Uh, so right away, already people are turn- friends are turning on friends. And Shuya sees the person who did it, um, a boy who got a crossbow as his weapon, and Shuya knocks him over by throwing a flashlight at him. Yeah. Uh, and then Noriko comes out, and Shuya grabs her, and they run off. When they r- run off... Another boy walks up to the kid who had the crossbow and is like, oh, is this what you got? And then as he rushes him, he shoots that kid dead. So instantly we got two people killed right off the gate. Or, I mean, four right off the bat, basically. Crossbow would be the best weapon to get. Quiet. Crossbow would not be the best weapon to get. No, it would not. There is no world in which a crossbow (laughs) in this situation is better than... Any of the actual guns that some of these kids get. There's 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 an Uzi. There's shotguns. There's tons of pistols. All of those are exponentially better. I'm biased, maybe. If you're trying to like keep quiet or something, just don't shoot. Oh well. Yeah, I guess. But if you're in a situation where you're about to fight somebody, that's gonna win ten times out of well, okay, maybe like nine times out of ten, unless you're just really bad at aiming, I guess. If if it's me who I never bring this up ever was captain of an archery team. Yeah, you never bring that up. <laughs> if it was between me and someone who's never in their entire life used a gun, I could... I I've could. never used a gun in my life, and almost certainly I could <laughs> shoot you before you shot me with a crossbow. Sorry. <laughs> I, I get the general idea. You point, you pull a trigger. Yeah. Easy as that. <laughs> All right. 
you gotta adjust for like the wind and all the you know the weight the the tensile strength of the actual like bow part whatever i don't know if the the stringy bit's called the bow part or if the it's called something bit. else yeah i don't know what it is i'm not i'm sorry i'm not a master archer that's hilarious <laughs> Um, we'll set, we'll touch back if we ever have to have a duel to the death. <laughs> yeah, I'll come back and report our findings. Uh, yeah, you do that. Uh, <laughs> so we follow Shuya and Noriko as they go along the coast, uh, and they stay in a cave for the night. Um, Shuya tries to sort of tend to her wound best he can. He kind of cleans it out with some water, wraps a little bit of like a shirt around it. Uh, they look at their weapons again. He has a pot lid. She's got binoculars. Not exactly weapons. Uh, Norika reveals at this point that she doesn't trust any of the other students because she was bullied in school. Mm -hmm. She was always called, like, ugly, shoved into into toilet stalls and locked in there, and and just kids being shitty. Um, again, this, this one focuses a lot more on, like, the students being, like, really awful, um, kind of all around mm -hmm. to, to adults and each other. Um, uh, so... Really good lesson. Don't yeah, be don't be shitty. Other, other people. That is actually a good lesson. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Never know. Uh, at this point, Shuya basically has determined that he's going to protect Noriko because his best friend Nobu, who died, had a crush on her, and he promised that he would protect her. Uh, in this case, so that's yeah. his goal: is to protect her and try and find a way off the island for, ideally, the two of them, but at least her. Um, uh, he also wants to get revenge of course who doesn't uh, we then kind of flash around to a couple of groups of students sort of around the island the first thing we see is uh, Kiriyama who in this instance both Kawada and Kiriyama are t said to have been people who signed up for this year's exam um, and they're the two that aren't dressed like anybody Yeah, else. and they're not dressed like anybody else. They're wearing street clothes, and everyone else is still in their school uniforms. Yep. Um, Kiriyama has, like, wandered into a group of five other students. Uh, four boys, one girl. And they're a... We're told, because the, the military's monitoring this, and they've got trackers and all of the things, so they right. know what students wear. And they very much say, oh, Kiriyama's been cornered by this guy's gang. And when they get there, this is where we see Kiriyama got a paper fan. Mm -hmm. They kind of make fun of him for it. They're pointing a, uh, an Uzi in his face and some other weapons. And they're kind of pushing him around. And just before they're about to shoot him, he manages to grab the arm of the person who's going to shoot, spin him around, shoot all four of the other people. Yay. He kills all five of them just like that. Badass. <laughs> Badass? Badass. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure at some point when i was first getting into this and like looking it up because i want to know like ooh, have these actors done anything else because mm -hmm. it's been like five years six years at that point that this actor who plays kiriyama i'm pretty sure i read an article that said that he was japan's johnny depp <laughs> japan's johnny depp yeah i very specifically remember that because it seemed like such a weird thing but That's again johnny specific. depp is like you know huge and i guess the thing is like he he's kind of uh eccentric and and attractive i think is sort of the thing he's eccentric um <laughs> uh 
So Kuriyama kills all of them. He then takes the guns for himself. Uh, he picks up some nunchucks that somebody got and just kind of drops them like, what the fuck would you do with these? <laughs> Man, just once in my life I want to use nunchucks. I've used nunchucks. Did you hit someone? I definitely hit myself. <laughs> um, I used to have a friend. He, They were, if I'm not mistaken, technically illegal to have. Really? Um... What but he, made out of but he had Metal? he had a couple of them and we were just like in his twirling them around. Yeah, we weren't like kids. This guy he was oh. um, it's it would sound weird the way I was gonna tell the story, but uh, he I mean he was relatively young. He was like a first year teacher. I was in high school. I mm-hmm. was like seventeen or eighteen or whatever, and he was early twenties or something. And he was like uh, he was the uh, pastor who did the Wednesday church services that I went to for a little while. Um, but he was cool. He also liked, he was into like Star Wars and all this stuff. He was way into Star Wars he that was. he named his first son's middle name it was uh, Kenobi. Nuh-uh. Yep. No way. Uh-huh. Really? Yep. Yep. He made a, an agreement with his wife uh, of, I think she got like the first name as long as he could do the middle name and he went with Kenobi. Fucking dork. <laughs> 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 anyway, anyway, he was a pretty cool dude, but um, pretty cool. Yeah, that's where I used nunchucks one time. Yeah, I uh, just want to whack someone with that. <laughs> uh, we also jump. We jump around and see a couple other things. We see this boyfriend and girlfriend come together, who they refuse to take part in the game, so they jump off a cliff and, and kill themselves. Yeah, I didn't leave that part. Um, we also then see. We see a character named Megumi. She's hiding like under a table in this house that she found, looking over the photo. She's the one who took the photo at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And in walks another character called Misuko. And Misuko is like the hot girl. She's definitely, mm-hmm. you know, look, the ages here are kind of vague. Yeah. Um, again, they're supposed to be like, junior high-ish, so, like, 14, 15-ish. So she would be the one who, like, developed quicker than others. Right. Um, she's very much... She's more physically matured. Yeah, she's more physically matured than most of the other girls. But she gets in close with Megumi. Megumi shows that her weapon is a taser. Um, and then they kind of wrestle a little bit yeah. like it's clear that Mitsuko is playing taking part in the game right. and she wants the taser and they fight a little bit and then it was revealed Mitsuko's weapon is a little sickle that she has and she slits Megumi's throat sure does. Uh, she does reveal at this time also outside um, two other people had hung themselves yeah because uh, they also did not want to take part in the game so they they hung themselves so people are already dropping like flies mm-hmm. in the very first night and we keep get, getting these little updates on, like, how many lives have been lost. So many dead now, or so many people remaining. Yeah, we'll get to the next morning, and that's where the morning announcement is. It's like, hey, you all did pretty good. There was, like, seven people who died last night, and yeah. they list off all their names. Reminiscent, if you have seen Hunger Games, and again, we'll get to Hunger Games, don't worry. They do sort of, every time somebody dies, they shoot off a cannon, and it shows, like, the person's thing in the sky, their face in the sky. 
in this morning, we see Shuya and Noriko kind of getting out of the cave. They're writing down where the danger zones are so they can avoid it. We do see Mitsuko again uh, putting on her makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, this, to me, is symbolism of her, how, like, superficial she kind of is. That she's putting on this mask to hide who she really is. Very self-involved. Um, unfortunately, and we'll get to it a little bit later, she is one of the characters that I think gets kind of shorthanded in the film adaptation. Because there's a lot, we get, we get just, like, the surface level knowledge with her character, and you miss out on a lot um, that they did not ad- adapt into this story. Um, so while they're going off, while Shuya and Noriko are running away, they get ambushed by one of the students who try who um, jumps out with a hatchet and tries yeah. to attack Shuya. His pot lid comes in handy. He blocks the attack. The two boys roll down the hill, and as they stand up, the attacker, his hatchet is now embedded into the top of his head. Yep. And he falls over dead. Thanks, Potland. You finally mm. did something. Mm-hmm. Not too soon after this, another boy comes right out of the woods saying math equations, because he's supposed to be, like, the smart one, and mm-hmm. he's trying to say math over and over again to keep his sanity, obviously, not working. No. He's holding Shuya at gunpoint. They're trying to reason with him, and just in time, ex machina... Here comes Kawada with his Spaz-12 shotgun. Yep. Killing the boy with the, the pistol. Taking the pistol, holding Shuya and Noriko at gunpoint. Taking the hatchet out of the other boy's head. Just kind of collecting weapons. Again, making it very clear that he is dangerous and a threat. Uh, but he kind of leaves Shuya and Noriko alone when they don't have any sort of weapons that would be useful to him. <clears throat> but just as he's going to leave, they all hear... Some girls screaming over a megaphone. Mm-hmm. And they kind of go up to a ledge and sort of lay down so they're not just kind of standing out in the open watching. And Shuya wants to run over to them because they're saying, Everybody, let's not fight. Let's all join up together. We don't yeah. need to do this. And Shuya's like, That's the best idea. And Kawada holds him down and goes, No, you idiot. That's a dumb idea. And he yells out, Shuya yells out to them. They realize it's Shuya. Everybody, has, everybody in this class has a crush on Shuya. Right. Um, I can relate. I had the same problem. Did you? No. Um, as they're doing that, Kawada's making the good point of, like, this is silly. They're drawing attention to themselves. They shouldn't be doing this. He shoots his shotgun into the air to try and get them to stop. Mm -hmm. They don't stop. And at this point, it's too late. Kiriyama walks up behind him, sprays them down with his Uzi that he's got, like a Mac-10 Uzi or whatever it is. And just to add insult to injury to, again, make him seem like even an, a more terrible person, he takes the megaphone, makes sure it's still working, holds it up to one of their mouths, yeah. and shoots them on the megaphone. I didn't, I didn't care for that. <laughs> it's crazy. That was pretty fucked up. Um, we get another update again at this point. Kitano is doing another update. While he's doing these updates, there's always, like, cheery music happening, and he's trying to be upbeat. He's, like, he's sort of, like, positively reinforcing them. Like, you're doing an excellent job. Here's the deaths. Keep it up. You can do it. Like, very, very positive positive reinforcement, basically, to murder your friends. Um, 
So he tells them the more danger zones, all that sort of stuff. Um, we see that Misuko runs into another girl, one of her, one of the girls she knows, but this girl doesn't trust her. Yeah. Uh, the girl does say the creepy line that you didn't like, where she's like, I saw there was a tampon in the toilet, and Megumi wasn't on her, period, because yeah. I checked. What the fuck? <laughs> it's very weird. I did not like that at all. Why are you such a fucking weirdo? And to a dead body, nonetheless. Jeez Louise. Um, so she knows that it was her. And she's holding Misuki at gunpoint, but Misuki, uh, Mitsuki, uh, Misuko uses the taser to get the gun out of her hand. They fight. Misuko gets the gun. The girl tries to run away. Misuko guns her down. Is there any part of you that's a little bit curious about what it would feel like to get tased? No. <laughs> I mean, I've been, like, electric shocked before, but I don't want to be full-on tased, no. Yeah, we do. During that, we do get uh, the girl does call Mitsuko out for sleeping with all the boys. Yeah. Um, and and slut shaming. And sleeping with older men too. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I guess slut shaming her kind of, but it. I think it's supposed to tell you that she prostitutes herself. Yeah. That she does some sex work, and again. She's one. Of, she's one of the characters that I think kind of gets shafted in not telling her full story, mm-hmm. because there's quite a lot, bit more to it that they touch on. They show a little bit too, but it's much deeper and and quite a bit darker okay. uh, in the other ad- adaptations. Um, Interesting. Uh, Noriko is getting infected. Her bullet wounds kind of get infected, so she wants to find mm-hmm. some medicine. As they're going, he, he they do they run into this building. They run into Kawada again. He he takes them in. Uh, just happens to be his father was a doctor, so he does know some basic medical stuff. Very helpful. Um, and he gives her some drugs and, and kind of helps her out. She starts to kind of doze off from the drugs. And <clears throat> this is where he... Um, they're kind of forming like a little group, basically. They right. kind of maybe not fully trust each other but they kind of because they've run into each other twice now nobody's tried to kill each other yeah things are seeming kind of cool um we then jump to a new group of of three boys well technically four because one of them is coming in just as this is happening we see a boy outside with a gps walk into this building and inside are three boys pushing a generator and they turn on this generator to give them power to a computer Right. Um, two of these characters are sort of important that come up quite a few times. The lead of the group of three is Shinji. And Shinji, we've seen in the basketball things, he's one of the players. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I think you're supposed to take that the core group of players were all friends. So he's friends with Shuya and the other boy who just came in. Um, and Shinji is, he asks Sugimura to stay, the one with the GPS. He says, "No, I'm looking. I'm looking for somebody. I gotta. Go, I gotta go." And well, he's looking for two people, and he's gotta leave. So he leaves. We do see that Shinji during this. He's kind of typing up a computer, and he realizes when he's like messing with his collar through a mirror that there's a microphone. Right. 
So he did, he realizes they're not only tracking them, like certainly they're tracking them, but they're also listening they're him. Listening to everything so he starts to write things down of importance, and he tells the other two to go get these supplies. He lists, he rattles off a bunch of supplies of like kerosene, um, uh, uh, manure, or whatever, just random things to make a bomb. Right. Um, so they go off to do that while Shinji stays there typing away on his little computer. Um, then we get to see a flashback of uh, one of the boys we just saw, Shu- uh, Suyimura, who's looking for one of his friends, Chigusa, which is the girl who plays Gogo from Kill Bill. Yeah. We see that they were friends. He helped her with like track and field stuff. He'd like ride a bike, timer while she was running. Mm-hmm. And when we cut back to present time, she's wearing a yellow tracksuit, very reminiscent to Bruce Lee, Kill Bill sort of stuff. Very much. So. <laughs> um, and she is by herself. But while she's sitting there, the boy from the beginning who took the other kid's crossbow shows up, and he is kind of being a little shit to her yeah being like you don't want to die a virgin do you and she gets pissed off about it and she pulls out her weapon which is a switchblade and she starts to chase after him and they kind of have this little scuffle he accidentally shoots off the crossbow which kind of cuts her face a little bit and she chases him him down slashes his back to knock him over and then stabs him repeatedly in the crotch to kill him he had it coming. He had it coming. <laughs> yeah. That's from Chicago. He had it coming. Yeah. He had it coming. He shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but just as she is done dealing with that, right behind her stands Mitsuko with a gun. And as she tries to run away, Mitsuko shoots at her. She does manage to get away. Um, and she falls off this little, like, ledge. And as she's sitting there all bloodied and stuff from being shot, uh, Sugimura does find her, and they get to kind of have a moment together as, as friends. And she she asks if he if he loves her, and he says no, that he, he loves the other girl that he's looking for. Right. And she's like, okay, well, can you at least let me lay here on you until I die? And he's like, okay. Basically, like, can we just pretend? Yeah, can we just have this moment? Yeah. Um, and she dies in his arms, um, and then he leaves her to go find the other girl that he's looking for. I think that's a decent thing to do. Nobody wants to die, you know, alone or whatever. So. Yeah. If you want me, if you want me to say I love you and hold you and just pretend for a minute, that's totally fine. Sure. Whatever helps. Um, we cut back to the school. We see Katano again. Um, he's eating the cookies that Noriko made. Mm-hmm. He's also painting something. Uh, it's not... We see a little bit of it. He's, there's something going on that he's painting. He kind of mostly ignores the military people. Anytime they ask him questions, he's just like, whatever, fuck yeah. off. Who cares? Um, he also gets uh, a phone call at one point, and he answers it, and it's his daughter who basically just says, I hate you, don't come home. Uh, so he's that like, all right, fun. whatever. Um, so it's, it's kind of showing, it's supposed to make you sort of understand his character and that he generally doesn't really seem to 
actively dislike any of the kids necessarily. Yeah. Um, mostly was just Nobu because we saw in the flashback. Like, he's not happy with any of them, but he's not really <clears throat> going out of his way to be necessarily shitty to anyone. Right. It, but his, his home life clearly sucks. Nobody ever was nice to him. He was assaulted. The only person who has ever any sort of respect or nice to him was Noriko. Yeah. Um, Very sad. We then cut back to the little hut with our three main people and we find out at this point that Kawada is a previous winner of the game. Right. And that basically he's rejoined up to try and take down the game to get his revenge because in his game it came down to him and the girl he was in love with Mm -hmm. and when they reached the time limit which in this case is three days not the same in the the book Mm -hmm. um their collars were both activated if you do not have one winner after the three days your collars activate and it'll kill everyone so in that moment she shoots him Mm -hmm. and then as they're falling he shoots her and she ends up dying but she dies with a smile on her face happy that he won and he's trying to get revenge and understand why in that moment she was smiling right um and then they forced him back into the game of course you know so now he's wanting his revenge for having to have done it before Mm -hmm. and to try and understand the point of her smile right uh Noriko says she thinks it's because um, she loved him and he decides to help them at that point get off the island because he knows a way off. Mm-hmm. Little, little, I'll help you and I know how to get out of here. So stick with me and we're set. Right. Um, we hear some gunfire outside and they kind of look through their windows and there's a guy on a bicycle with a little helmet running away from Kiriyama. The, the main guy killing everybody at this point. He's killed, like, seven people, I think. Right. Seven or eight people at this point. And he shoots the boy and then kind of vanishes. And we find that the boy was faking it and is laughing. And he reveals that his weapon, again, not a weapon, was a bulletproof vest. Useful, not a weapon. Not a weapon. Just a um, And as he's laughing, thinking that he got away with it, he hears something and he looks up and on the roof of the building now is Kiriyama who off of someone picked up a katana. <laughs> he unsheaths the katana in a cool looking shot. It was pretty cool. Standing up there just unsheathing it and then he jumps down and cuts the guy's head off. Yeah. Um, and while he does that um, one of the characters knocks something over inside the building so now he knows there's somebody inside. Right. And he starts shooting and stuff and, and nobody's hitting anyone. And then there's kind of silence for a second. And then crashing through the window comes the kid's severed head with a grenade in its mouth. And it explodes. Shuya decides, I'm going to go distract him. Uh, Kawada, take take Noriko. Get out of here. I'm going to distract him. Shuya runs out there, takes Kiriyama's attention, runs away. The other two go out the back. And Shuya's getting shot at and he jumps into the water. He does get hit by a couple bullets while he's going into the water. At the same time, we see Sugimara shows up to help, pushes Kiriyama to the side, jumps in the water after Shuya. Uh, Kiriyama just kind of shoots randomly into the water, see if he gets anyone, and then goes, all right, I'm not going swimming, so he leaves. Peace out. 
Uh, we see Shinji again. Uh, they got all the supplies, and he talks that his uncle um, had taught him a lot of things, like worldly things, like how how to hack and, and to make a bomb and all this sort of stuff, because his, his uncle, again, kind of trimmed down from other adaptations, but his uncle basically like a revolutionary or stood up to the government, that sort of thing, so he, he taught him some stuff. And they're going to be making a bomb with this stuff, uh, that's the big reveal, is that we're gonna escape. We're gonna bomb the control room, basically the control building, the school, and when their systems are down, we're gonna jump in the water, swim back to shore. That's the plan. Now we cut to arguably the best scene in the movie. Arguably. We get to a lighthouse. Shuya wakes up in the lighthouse. There's a girl there. And she she very cheerfully is like, oh my god, you're awake. I'm so happy. There's five of us here. They're all my friends. I trust everybody. Sugimara dropped you off here and then he said he was leaving because he's looking for someone. Yeah. And we're about to make food, so we'll make you some food. This is great. I've never touched a man's body before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is so funny. Like, that was hilarious. Just a weird, innocent thing of like, I bandaged you up. I've never touched a boy before. I, I, and it's like, I, mm, I thought did, did, it, did he need bandages down there, or were you just curious? He's curious. He's like, well, I'm here. Um, but she does say that one of the girls, Yuta, doesn't trust you because she was there in the bushes when the kid with the hatchet died, and she thinks that you killed him. Right. And he goes, no, 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 that was an accident. And, and she's happy to hear that. She's like, great. <laughs> But I'm still going to lock you in the room just so that she feels safe and we'll sort everything out. I'll talk to her. She goes downstairs. We see um, basically four girls, mm-hmm. I think, at this point. One of them's cooking. The tr- the subtitles say she's making spaghetti. That's yeah. not spaghetti. I was going to say, that was, very, that was a very confusing moment. <laughs> to be fair, this is a... Uh, the, move, the version we watched was a... Bl- U.S. Blu-ray release from, I don't know, like, let's say, like, 2015 or something. I don't know exactly when it was that it it came out. So, the translation is probably one of those things where it's, like, really, she's making some sort of, like, ramen-type dish that's not a common thing in America. So, for Western audiences... Spaghetti! They like spaghetti. It's spaghetti. It's spaghetti. If you have ever had spaghetti that is basically then filled with just water like a soup tell me about it but i i don't i don't know spaghetti i think think spaghetti and broth is just broth. there you go that's the word broth yeah (laughs) Yeah. well it's also like a different type of noodle or whatever yeah yeah it's very clear it's like a ramen sort of dish of some sort um so we see a couple girls down there they're they're all like giddy that shui is awake Mm because again every girl in this class thinks he's hot right um, Yuta, the girl who who thinks that he killed somebody, is not. Okay. And she says, she takes it in her own hands that she's got to do something about this. And we see that her weapon was poison, like I right. mentioned earlier. It's, uh, I want to say it's like hydrochloric acid. That's probably not 100% cyanide correct. Or something? It, yeah, it's basically cyanide. Yeah. So she goes over and she's like oh i'll help i'll get shuya's dish and she puts in some noodles puts in some of the broth 
and then sprinkles a little bit of special seasoning on top. And then she's like, I'm going to take it to him. The plants, he would eat it and then die. Right. Um, but as she's about to do that, the fifth girl comes in. This girl is just, like, on vacation. I don't know if she was a lookout or something, but she's in, like, a, a track suit. Like, yeah. she just was running around the lighthouse, like, getting her morning she's in exercise. Her she takes the plate, she's sits vanished. down, eats it. <clears throat> and it's like, oh my god, it's so good. At this point, Yuta's, she's basically backed up into a corner because yeah. she knows something's about to happen and, and and she's kind of paralyzed, basically. Yeah. Um, and as the other girls are, like, happy and cheerful, all of a sudden the girl who just ate the food starts, like, vomits up some blood yeah. and then falls face down dead. Poison acted super quick. It's also super clear that she was perfectly fine until she was eating. Until she ate the food. Until she ate the food. Um, so now all the girls kind of go into a panic. And they start to point fingers at each other like, You made the food. You poisoned her. Uh, no, I didn't, I didn't do that. It was blah, blah, blah. It was like, it was like uh, you, were, you were the one that did the noodles. You were the one that did the, the Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, They're so they were all like, pointing at each other. Yeah, all pointing at each other like, one of us did it because all of these people made the food. And the great thing about this, um, and I can't tell you 100% what my source was or, or where it was, but it almost certainly was a commentary that I had watched years ago. Unfortunately, again, this edition, no commentary or frills or anything really with it, just straight up the movie, um, which sucks. Um, but this scene, or the way the scene was shot at least because the lighthouse is a part of the standard story, the way that the director went about it was taking inspiration from Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs, which is also mostly in one building. Everybody who should be on a team together is now paranoid of each other and pointing fingers, and it leads to a bunch of people getting killed unnecessarily. Unnecessarily. Even though the one person who seemed like the meekest and weakest is the person who basically caused it all in reservoir dogs it's um i want to say mr orange i think who comes in and he's wounded and he's dying who's the undercover cop but the other people trust him well mr white specifically trusts him and all that and it goes from there in this case utah the smallest like meekest weakest kind of looking girl is the one who did it but nobody's pointing fingers at her they're all pointing fingers at each other and it leads to one of them, a couple of them grabbing grabbing guns, everybody shooting each other, and then the last girl pointing at Utah and going, it wasn't you, was it? Yeah. And then another girl dying shoots her before she can do anything, and they're all dead other than Utah. Also, small note, if you've never watched Reservoir Dogs... Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. Go watch it. Reservoir Dogs is my favorite Tarantino it's a good, it's it's a great movie, but it's not my favorite Tarantino movie. It's my favorite. It's pretty good though. So if you've never seen it, go watch it. Um, so Yuta goes upstairs and kind of in her guilt of what happened, knowing that she caused that, she basically just killed five people. Yep. Unlocks the door to Shuya. He sees her, and she. Uh, then goes up up the stairs of the lighthouse. And he looks downstairs and he sees that everyone's dead. And then he runs upstairs to try and find her. And he can't find her anywhere. And he looks over the edge. And she had thrown herself off the top of the lighthouse onto the rocks below. Yep. 
dead. Um, we also see at this point, we kind of flash to a couple other things. We see two girls. Uh, we get a little flashback that they were the two friends who said, um, we're going to meet up. They seem to have killed each other. Yeah. They're just kind of laying in rocks. Both of them have are stabbed by different items, so they seem to have fought and killed each other. Um, we also see Mitsuko again. again, And this time it's a very quick thing. We see she's getting dressed, but behind her are the two naked dead bodies of two boys. Yeah. This is a scene that I wish we would have got. Because this scene in the other mediums really, really informs her character a lot. Um, this is partially why I can't give this like a perfect score. As much as I love the movie, yeah. this is so glossed over and it's an absolute travesty. So this is one of the moments where I actually want to talk about what does happen. Mitsuko is playing the game. She's playing to win. That's the whole thing. She's killed a couple people at this point. She's in it to try and win. And she thinks that she can get by how she did generally in life, which was her looks and, and, and seducing people and getting what she wants, basically. We do see that she at one point... Um, we see it a little later on in the movie, but basically her backstory is when she was a young child, um, I think the novel and stuff say nine years old, and this looks maybe a little younger than nine. She comes home... And her mother has basically sold her to an old man to just have his way with her. And the movie really kind of neuters the the graphicness of the scene. It's clear what's happening, and he's like a pedophile, and he's trying. The mother's prostituting her uh, to make some money, Um, but she refuses, pushes the man down the stairs, and kills the man. As she should. Uh, what we don't get from her character really is how much more that that happens in her life, that her mother constantly does that to her, that later on when her, her, um, and, and again, it kind of varies between the novel and the manga, but basically, um, her, her mother dies, she goes, lives with her aunt, the, the new, her new stepdad also molests her and other things, and... So she has, like, a a history of older men sexually abusing her, molesting her, taking advantage of her. And when she grows older, she now uses that as her way to get over on people. She, she, a couple of the girls that we have seen that are very, very, very minor girls in the movie are part of her gang. And they, she prostitutes them out to older men to make money. And she also seduces men to get things that she wants and, and... even in some instances literally kills them after getting what she wants um but to the movie to this scene specifically what happens is she sees one of the boys peeing like in a bush or something and she's like okay i'm gonna jump out just kill him easy target and just before she does the other one shows up Mm -hmm. and he is like the smallest kid in the class he's like kind of weak looking whatever just the small little little kid and he stops her from killing the other kid and the other guy's like she was gonna kill me we can't trust her and the younger the smaller one's like no maybe it was a misunderstanding maybe she was just maybe you startled her or whatever they decide they handcuff her or tie her hands behind her back and the three of them hang out for a little bit right um the one kid the uh, guy who was afraid he was going to get attacked goes to sleep. 
The other one stays awake with her. And he just has a conversation. They just have a conversation. They talk about things. He says that he thinks that she's a nice person because her eyes look kind and that maybe she's just had a troubled past and that he, he doesn't hold that against her and that the situation sucks. And he shows empathy towards her and her situation. And it actually makes her feel something. Like right. she feels like somebody's actually seeing her, that... that Maybe she doesn't have to kill them. Um, there's, like, an actual moment here of, like, character development and building. And some time goes by. He's nice to her. He even undoes her handcuffs to let her drink some water. That's how much he's like, look, I, I trust you. I don't think you're going to do anything. Here you go. And she doesn't. She mostly just sticks with him. They have a conversation. The things are pretty, like, relaxed. Shortly, he eventually goes to sleep and the other guy's awake. The other guy is more of a, like, brawn than brains sort of character in that he's not trusting of her, which is smart. Um, but she easily goes to what she knows and starts to, like, seduce him. Right. And he's like, hey, maybe we can, <laughs> while well, he's asleep, but we shouldn't do it right here. We should go over there somewhere. Right, yeah. And she kind of gets out of it, gets her hands undone. And then tries to attack him again. But in the... You know, they kind of make noise and stuff. It wakes up the other guy who gets up. And he holds them at like gunpoint. Like, what is going on? And she tried to kill me. No, he was trying to rape me. And he's like, both stories could yeah. be true. Like, I don't quite know either of you well enough to really know Gage one way or the other. The and in the middle of this... Uh, they, there's like a distraction and the one guy, the brute guy, goes to try and get a gun to shoot her. And as he shoots her, the other boy steps in the way and takes a bullet for her. Yeah. And while he's going down and now the, the friend is like, oh no, what did I do? She kills him. Uh, depending on which version you read depends on what she kills him with, but yeah. beats him with a baseball bat until he's dead basically. And then goes over to the other boy and is sad that he's dying because he was so kind to her. Like, the first person to ever be kind to her, basically. And as he's dying, she shoots him to put him out of his misery. She doesn't want him to die slowly, yeah. so she shoots him to put him out of his misery. Again, if you read the manga, there's a little bit of some weird sex shit that happens in the middle of there. Because... Which part? Shooting someone to put them out of the misery. Yeah. Well, in, in, in the manga version, she starts to have sex with him while he's bleeding out. Because Ew. because of all of her trauma and stuff, she was told that, like, that stuff is love and that's, like, what you do. That's how you show your love to people. So she's, like, trying to make his pain go away by being physical with him and showing, like, she cares and stuff, even though it's just making things worse. And then when she kind of snaps out of it, she just kills him. Because he keeps, he keeps asking her to stop and, and not do it, and then she eventually just kills him. That's the manga version. Again, the manga is very, way oh more God. graphic and sexual and bloody and violent. Okay. It's great. It's, it's great. <laughs> um, so yeah, again, I think Mitsuko kind of gets the short end of the stick because her character is very, ha very deep and layered, and they kind of... I'd say neutered her, but it's just they don't give you the chance to really... Mm -hmm 
empathize or understand her character completely. Um, and a lot of the characters get this. Most of the characters in the other mediums do get a chance for you to know who they are. You get to basically empathize with all of the characters to some degree. You get their backstories a little bit. You get to understand why they're doing what they're doing. Um, motivations and things are changed. In the novel and the manga, both Kiriyama and Kawada are not strangers these people don't know. Kiriyama is a member of their class that all of them have known growing up, hmm. but he has, they don't cover this in, in the, the movie at all, but as a young child, he was in a car accident, which damaged his brain, which made him uh, get a partial lobotomy, which made him not feel emotions, which what? is not a real thing that doesn't really exist. That's not something that can actually happen. Um, but yeah, he's basically doesn't feel any sort of emotions. He's also pretty much a virtuoso at everything. He's got like a genius level intellect. He can pick up anything practically instantly. And once he masters them because he doesn't feel emotion in any sort of way, he just like, he'll learn, he'd master the piano and then be like, all right, I've mastered it. I'm done. Um, so he's very, he's lacking empathy in anything. And that's why during the game, he doesn't play the game because he wants to win. He, in the novel, he plays the game because he's bored. Why not? Just because. He has no empathy. That he doesn't, he doesn't feel game. anything towards any of these, any of these people at all. He's just like, sure. Uh, got nothing else to do today? In the manga, he, he flips a coin. If it's heads, he's gonna take down the school and everything if it's tails he's gonna play and it just happens to land on tails Jeez. yeah um so a little bit of different character motivation there uh shoot uh kawada is basically the same in all the stories except he like transfers to that school he was held back so he's in the correct grade he uh just notices that like oh shit i'm going into this fucking thing again right. um now, back to the movie from here. Uh, we kind of see... We see Kawada and Noriko. They're in, like, this little hut. Noriko's like, I gotta go look for Shuya. She runs off into the woods. And she comes up to Mitsuko. Mitsuko's holding a gun up. And she's about to shoot, but something scares her away. Right. Behind Noriko is standing Katano, the teacher, with an umbrella. And he's just like, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> he's like, yeah, I just, I just want to be sure you're okay. And since he can track her, he knew exactly where she was, right. so he went to purposely see her. Mm -hmm. And then he sees, oh, you're, he goes, oh, you're with Shuya. And Shuya comes out of the woods all beaten and battered and collapses. Yeah. He hands Noriko the umbrella and then leaves. Um, very weird. It, it's kind of left to interpretation on how you want to take their relationship. Um, I see it mostly as... He kind of sees her as the daughter. Like, he has a daughter, but she treats him like shit. Right. So sort of as, like, the daughter he wished he had. She's the only person that we ever see show any sort of caring or empathy right. towards him. Um, and and obviously Noriko just, like, she's a nice person. Yeah. She's not shitty, whatever. So it makes sense character-wise that she'd be kind to this guy. Um, she also has this weird dream where him and her are eating ice cream on, on like, a riverside. Oh, yeah. Um, which is very specifically mentioned to be a dream, so it's not something that actually happened, but maybe it's just something that, like, weighs on her mind of, like, 
why is this happening when I was nice to him? Or why did he do this to me? And, and whatever. It's very kind of strange. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we then cut back. We're kind of getting towards the end of this. Most of the students have died at this point. There's maybe three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, like ten of them left out of the 42 originally. Right. And we finally get to see, uh, we see Sui Moore again with his GPS come to this building. And he goes inside and he sees the girl he's looking for. And he kind of calls out to her and she's like, leave me alone, stay away from me. He drops all of his stuff, but he tries to get closer to her mm-hmm. and she shoots him. Yeah. And she runs over, and she says, she's like, basically, I'm sorry, what are you doing? He's like, I just wanted to make sure that you were okay. You need to go find, like, you need to leave. Um, But before she can do that, Mitsuko shows up, and Mitsuko then shoots her and kills her. And as Mitsuko's going to leave, Kiriyama shows up, and they have a little scuffle where Mitsuko does shoot him. Uh, Actually, she slashes at him with a sickle after she drops her gun, and he's, like, smiling, and he's got the slash across him, but he's got the bulletproof vest on, so it didn't do anything. And he kills Mitsuko. So now it's down to uh, seven people left. I think it's it's also a lot of... I mean, if you've ever tried to, to rescue a, a cat off the street or, or kittens or anything, like, when they're in a situation where they can't... They don't know anyone to trust, so panic sets in, and natural reactions set in. I mean, she she didn't know that she could trust him, and she freaked out, and she just acted out of... I don't know. Yeah, and um, the, the manga version does... It's funny that you said the things about cats, because... In their storyline, there is bits about cats, about her taking care of, like, kittens. And then when they're in the game, there's a kitten that she's trying to get that she thinks she's scared away. And that's, like, the whole thing is it's, like, it doesn't know what your intentions are, so it runs away sort of situation. Um, That's when they hit and they spit and scratch at you. In every version except for the novel, she does kill him when he comes looking for her. Sadly. It's sort of like... You know, like, he loves her, and he wants to confess and, and save her and stuff, but she kills the person that's come to save her. In the manga version, um, they do, they kind of h- hang out together for a little bit before Kiriyama shows up, and, and uh, that scene, I'm not going to spoil much of that for you. I, again, I, it's very made to be very anime-y, mm-hmm. so Sugimura in that is mentioned to be, like, a martial artist, and he did a lot of martial arts stuff, so there is a cool, awesome fight between Sugimura and Kiriyama, where they're doing, like, martial arts and fist fighting, and all yeah. these, like, crazy flips and throwing, like, knives at each other and stuff, but Kiriyama is our bad guy, so he has to win out at the end of the day. Um, a little bit of sort of chronological stuff is different between the different versions as well. In this one, in the film, we still have, like I said, seven people left. We've got our main three, Kawada, Shuya, and Noriko, Kiriyama, our bad guy. And then we have Shinji and his two friends who are trying to build that bomb. In all the other versions of the story, Shinji and these two die about halfway through the story. They don't make it to the end. 
I like this change um, in the sense that it, in the film it sets up like the climactic final battle. Right. In the other versions, things play out slightly different, so it doesn't quite matter if their big moment is in the middle of the film or in the middle of like the novel or in the middle of manga is where it happens. Um, and also things are slightly different. It's not necessarily the three of them, it's only two of them, and then the third one shows up and there's gunfire and stuff, which, whatever. Um, also, one of the things that's very different that I wish was kept from the novel to the film is in the film it wouldn't necessarily work 100%. Because in the film, Kiriyama's not the head of this gang in, the, in this classroom. He runs into the gang, kills them at the very beginning. He kills all five of them. In the novel and in the manga, there is a member of that gang named Sho. And Sho is a an LGBTQ character. He is... His uh, father, I believe, owns like a gay bar, and he sometimes entertains at this gay bar. But he's also part of this gang where they, you know, beat up people, whatever, at Kiriyama's whims, whatnot. Shuya doesn't trust Kiriyama, period. And he knows from the start of the game not to trust him. And even though they all plan, hey, let's meet at, like, the most southern point of the island, he doesn't go. He actually stays off in the distance and watches Kiriyama kill the rest of the people. So now he knows Kiriyama's playing the game. And he decides to track Kiriyama and let Kiriyama kill everyone and then pop out in the last second, kill Kiriyama, and win. That's his plan. The difference here is the danger zones. Throughout the film, the danger zones don't play any real role. They're mentioned. We don't see anything happen. People avoid them. It's They're mentioned like, this is about to be a danger zone, that sort of thing. Nothing actually happens. In the novel, and, and what we see is the only collar explosion we see is Nobu at the beginning when the teacher detonates his collar. In the novel and manga, they don't detonate his collar. They just shoot Nobu and kill him that way. Uh, they just kill him by means like that. In the in the adaptation uh, in the novel and the manga adaptation, Sho stays alive for a while, and he's following Kiriyama. But it's revealed Kiriyama knows that he's being tracked this whole time. And what he does is he goes out in the middle of nowhere to a like a almost like a park, like park bathrooms, mm -hmm. and he goes into a bathroom into a stall, and leaves Sho outside where he can hear like okay he's he's taking a leak i'll yeah. just sit here and wait for him to come out and show's just sitting there listening not really paying attention and then he's like man this is taking a long time and the and the wind blows open the stall to reveal that kiriyama hung a bottle of water and stabbed it and it was a bottle of water trickling down and then he panics and sees kiriyama leaving off in the distance and he kind of looks down at his map and realizes that he was lured into a danger zone just as it activates. And that's the only time we see a collar explode is he was tricked to go into a danger zone. That's and it blow up. And it blows up his collar. That's so terrible. But we... I wish that would have been in the movie. That would have been really cool if it would. I mean, I don't want to say... It would have been, been really, really cool. graphic. It would have been gross, but... The manga interprets it as literally it... The, the force is so immense that it basically decapitates him. Like, his lower jaw and neck are completely gone and the top of his head oh just, like, God. flying out. He also has a pompadour. Does he? Yeah. That, that is one thing in the movie. I, I was expecting, if you have an explosive collar, 
I was expecting that when it goes off, your whole head is gone. But for the most part, you're just kind of getting like. No, it's like a little tiny. It's like you're, you're just getting like a little throat, yeah. little throat thing. Did I ever tell you I actually bought a replica of the collars at an really? anime convention once? Where is it? Oh, I don't know. Did it look just like it? Yeah, pretty much. Did it light up? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Little batteries had, uh, you could, like, press a button and it would light up with the red lights and stuff, the LEDs and whatnot. Interesting. <laughs> was not very comfortable. You, you could wear it? Yeah. <laughs> That's the, that was the point of it. It was, like a like a it was like a replica. cosplay. Like a no, it was replica. like a cosplay replica thing. Uh, anyway. <laughs> How much did you pay for it? Oh, I don't know. Not a lot, I don't think. Interesting. Uh, anyway. Anyway. Yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't like a hundred dollar thing. Okay. It was. Um, so it was just like a headlamp for your neck. <laughs> sure, sure. A headlamp before your neck. Um, man, that must have been. That had to have been like 2008, I would think. Uh, anyway, back to the movie. We cut back to Shinji and his crew. Um, they've put the bomb together. Shinji reveals he's got like this necklace with a little detonator thing on it. Mm -hmm. um, he also hacks into the program's computer system. This, also a difference between the books and the, the manga in, in that um, when he, he finds out that there's microphones on his own, mm -hmm. in the other versions, he talks about hacking their system, and then they kick him out of, they like cut off his access, and that's how he realizes they can hear them. Ah. Uh, so in this, he hacks them, causes their system to go a little crazy for a moment. Doesn't change much of anything, because Katano just gets up while everybody's panicking, mm -hmm. goes over to the circuit breaker... Just turns it off and then goes, turn it back on. <laughs> like, it's that simple, idiots. Easy, um, so while that's going on, Shinji and his, his two friends are loading the bomb up onto this truck. Their plan is to basically drive this truck, ram it right in the school, blow everything up. Uh, they put the detonator switch and stuff on the front bumper. And as they're going to do this, all of a sudden uh, they see a silhouette off in the distance. And one of them thinks that it's Shuya. To his dismay, it is not. It is actually Kiriyama. He kills the first boy. The other two go to try and run inside Shinji and the other one. They also get gunned down. Shinji, still managing to be alive at this moment, does a last-ditch attempt while Kiriyama's coming towards him, runs to the front of the truck, hits it with the butt of his gun, blowing it up, trying to kill him and Kiriyama. And after the explosion goes off, we see Kawada, Shuya, and Noriko kind of come over this hill. They see sort of the aftermath, a bunch of fire and stuff everywhere. And they see Kiriyama walking across the field. We get to see, though, Shinji's death wasn't in vain. He has blinded Kiriyama. His eyes are now, like, glossed over. He's bleeding from them. Very gross. Uh, and Kawada at this point says, basically goes, you guys stay here. I'm going to go take care of this. Walks up with a shotgun, kind of cocks it. And the two of them have, like, a little gun battle where there's a weird moment where he, like, falls on the ground, like, wiggles yeah. a little bit. Looks super goofy, but whatever. They're just, they're just shooting at each other. It's very, uh, I don't know, it's very over the top. It's very dramatic. <laughs> yeah. So they're just shooting at each other, and uh, Kawada manages to shoot him in the leg, which knocks him down. And then as he's lifting himself up, we get a close-up of his face with, like, this evil look on his face. 
Uh, Kawada shoots again, shoots him right in the collar, and the collar explodes, killing Kiriyama. Ugh. So we're down to the final three. Um, Kawada brings Noriko and Shuya off to a place alone and says, uh, puts them at gunpoint, makes this whole spiel about things. Mm-hmm. We cut the black, we hear two gunshots. Yeah. We go to, we're back on Kitano. The military are like, okay, go confirm those bodies. And Kitano says, no, game's over, it's over. Get out of here, we're done. He, yeah. he killed them, he won. So it announces that the game's over. Boy number six or something, Kawada, Shogo Kawada, winner again. And we see the military leave. They all evacuate the island. They just are like, all right, whatever, we're done. Um, Like, do they collect the bodies? Did they go collect the bodies? We just see a helicopter fly off. Uh, Kitano's the only person left. He's out in, like, the, uh, on the pitch of a soccer field doing his, he's doing, like, jumping jacks, a little exercise thing. And Kawada comes in on, like, little crutches from the field, shows he doesn't have a gun. They go inside. Uh, Kitano is like, so you, you, I just want to try something. And pulls out the remote control again and realizes Kawada knew how to deactivate the collars. Yeah. And just as he does that, Shuya and Noriko come into the door holding gunpoint at Kitano. And Kitano just kind of starts to give this thing being like, Noriko, I'm glad you're safe. Uh, I wanted you to win this. And he goes over and he reveals the painting he's been working on. The painting is a painting of Noriko standing in the middle with all the other students dead. Yep. In just different violent ways. Heads cut off, things stuck in faces, people being shot. Knives in people's sides. Someone Uh, was vomiting, I think. (laughs) And so he basically just reveals he was hoping Noriko would be okay. And then he holds a gun up. And said and points it at them, and tells them to shoot him, and and if they don't, he's gonna shoot them. And Shuya, then shoots Katana, mm-hmm. and he falls over, and everyone's like, okay, that's done. Um, we he's he, whatever we got rid of him. Then his phone rings again, and Katana sits up, walks over to his phone, answers the phone. It's his daughter again, and he basically just says, "Fuck you," throws his phone. Yeah. Oh, actually, he revealed before falling down that the gun he was holding was a squirt gun. He shoots water at them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, revealing like he wasn't planning on shooting them at all, but he's just so... Basically, he's so beat down from everybody in his life that he just doesn't care anymore. Yeah. Um, and after he, he answers the phone, he throws the phone, he pulls out a real gun, shoots the phone, eats the last cookie, and then just dies on the couch. Yeah. Just bleeds out on the couch. Um, his character, again, is a lot different from the, in the people running the games and the other two versions. Uh, in the other two versions, the, the military don't leave right away. They're there the whole time. And they, uh, the, the teacher takes Kawada onto a boat to leave the island with military on it. And Shuya and Noriko get onto the boat and kill military people on their way to, the confrontation with the uh, the head of the program, um, or at least the person running the program at that point. Um, we then, yeah, so basically, we're on a boat. Kawada, Noriko, Shuya are leaving the island. Mm-hmm. Kawada says, Shuya, take over. Just keep going straight. Easy as that. Kawada lays down. 
starts to smoke a little bit, mm-hmm. says that he he finally understands why his love from his previous game smiled, and then he dies. The final death of the movie mm-hmm. is Kawada. The final death of ev- all of the stories is always Kawada. He always dies as they're leaving, mm-hmm. um, knowing that he basically beat them at their own game this time but also understanding the reason for what happened and and with the girl he liked from his previous game um and then the the last bit of the movie is we see noriko and shuya in in japan um in a city noriko has just left her home she kind of snuck into her home at night takes takes the knife that she has hidden away that was used to stab that was nobu's knife that he stabbed katana with Mm -hmm. and they're now wanted fugitives, yep. and they just decide to never stop running. And that's the end. They basically say to run. Going on the lamb. Yeah. Now, this movie was followed up by a sequel where they both play characters again who are now marked as terrorists. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sequel is not great, so I don't really even suggest watching it. I, I, I would stick that's specifically with this movie. Now, I mentioned at the very beginning the director of this movie died during the making of the second film and his son took over and finished it now i'm not saying that that's the reason that that movie didn't work but the second movie and we see this sometimes with stuff that's like where there's like the first one is an adaptation of something and then they make a sequel or something that's not based on anything and it's not as the best example that a lot of people are going to say is game of thrones they had up to like the fifth or sixth season or something source material and then the last two seasons, they just kind of had to wing it yeah. based off an outline that they were given. They had to make up, you know, kind of fill in the gaps between the stories. And a lot of people will say that, that you know, it's it was awful fault. and whatever. It's not their fault. George R. R. Martin just, I, I think, is too afraid to finish writing the books because of the backlash to the story. But it doesn't matter. Gen- that same general idea is, like, there was no source material to work on, so they kind of just made this story up on their own. And it's a lot different than the first one especially like themes and what they're kind of going for um and it just doesn't ultimately really work out um now what what do you think about the the movie in general i i really really enjoy it but i also compare i do compare it a lot to the hunger games only because I was a I'm obsessed with the the series the books I'm obsessed with the movies they're my comfort movie uh, I watch it all the time so throughout the movie I was finding a lot of areas where I could compare certain things there there are scenes um, and obviously again that battle rail came first but that there are scenes where you're seeing like these helicopters or the, these military aircrafts come down from the sky and there's scenes in the Hunger Games where we're watching helicopters and things come down from the sky and you know the relationships with some people and the trust mistrust Mm -hmm. uh, between characters the military aspect um, I'm I'm able to see a lot of that but I like I said I, I love a dystopian movie I love it 1984 is one of my favorite books. So, so speaking to Hunger Games real quick, because mm-hmm. uh, this is kind of the final point or really discussion point I want to have about this movie. Um, 
Battle Royale was originally published in 1999. Mm -hmm. The first Hunger Games book did not come out until 2008. Right. Suzanne Coleman, or sorry, not Coleman, Suzanne Collins, the writer of Hunger Games, has stated that she had never read or seen anything to do with Battle Royale until after she wrote the first Hunger Games book. Now, generally, I would take... Awfully ironic. I forget what it's called, but in good faith, I'll just say that I'd believe her. Mm-hmm. It's not the the general story isn't something that's new. Um, it's right. basically like gladiator games, and that goes back to you know Roman times of mm-hmm. pitting pitting uh, lower class citizens together to fight to the death sort of situation. So it's not too far out there that she could have came up with this on her own. Right. However, a lot of people would like to point out that again. It was nine years between the publication of Battle Royale and the first Hunger Games book. It was 12 years between the Battle Royale movie in 2000 and the first Hunger Games movie in 2012. So generally, on that front, read the two of them, come up with your own conclusions, go from there. That one is is really kind of harder to say. However, the last thing I did really want to talk about was the cultural impact that Battle Royale had after it came out. Because this is something that I don't think a lot of people think about, is that this has sort of transcended just being a cult film. Um, Especially with its DVD release, saw a large global cult following. Uh, Tarantino, again in 2009, considered it uh, one of to be one of the most recent influential movies in the last two decades, one of his favorite movies in the last two decades. Um, it's been highly influential in global pop culture. Um, if you think about video game-wise, we've had an influx in the last, like, maybe at this point, ten years might be pushing it. Let's say, like, seven years of the Battle Royale genre, which is directly named from the Battle Royale, uh, spawning with Originally with H1Z1, had a game mode called King of the Hill. Not a lot of people are going to remember this. Uh, a person who worked on that, co- who called their gamer tag was Player Unknown, went on to create PUBG called Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, uh, which is a battle royale style game that then spawned Fortnite, which that game mode is called Fortnite Battle Royale. Other oh, games are something battle royale. It is The genre is now just considered battle royale. Um... Uh, there's obviously tons of movies since 2000 have done that um not just uh obviously not just the hunger games but there's movies like um the condemned which was uh the stone cold steve austin american version of battle royale basically they put con convicts into an island to fight each other um A lot of this is obviously also the most dangerous game which has existed forever is about men hunting men. Right. But the Battle Royale is not exactly, you're not exactly hunting down enough like the most dangerous game is humans hunting humans sort of thing because they're fighting each other. Um, The Belko Experiment, Purge. That's right, the Belko Experiment. um, I love that movie. The Hunt, uh, Squid Games, obviously. So there's a lot of like media that has taken heavy influences from this and even smaller things or i mean bigger movies have smaller reference to it going way back again we mentioned kill bill was 2003 obviously had an actress from it tarantino very clearly loves that the movie um 
Shaun of the Dead, 2004. There's a Battle Royale poster in the movie. Is there? Mm-hmm. Um, there's... Uh, <laughs> uh, the band Flaming Lips uses footage of Battle Royale for, for like, this... Uh, this tour that they were doing for, you know, a, re- a record that they made. Um, other films have references to it, such Thank You for Smoking, Juno, Lost, Community. The movie Wrong Turn 2 Dead End has a character who wears a Battle Royale shirt in it. What? So it's sort of leaked into popular culture since it originally came out. It has surpassed just being a Japanese cult film and has reached... Tons of filmmakers in in the Western audience and Western audiences and really left an impact that has superseded just film and, and, and novels, basically. Lost the TV show? Yes, Lost the TV show. Oh, I need to figure out what that reference is. Um, and then, obviously, other, other manga and everything, because not a lot of people will realize this, that the manga started being adapted in 2000. Uh, the year after he uh, got with another writer and helped co-write the manga, and then it was illustrated by a certain person. And other Battle Royale-type mangas existed that took some influences off it. Uh, Basilisk in 2003. Uh, Fate Slash Stay Night franchise is about basically a group of people who have these uh, historical figures, and it's a battle until the f- one person's left remaining. Um, Danganronpa, Dead Man Wonderland, uh, Death Parade, all of those. Uh, another series I absolutely love called Gantz is always, they're pretty similarly compared. They're about, uh, Gantz isn't necessarily about high school students, but the main characters are high school students who are forced into this game essentially where after they die they wake up in this room and are forced to go hunt aliens and as you kill these aliens who might look like normal humans you get points and you have to get to 100 points and then you can leave or you can get another weapon and keep going so you can kind of like it's a nightmare it's fantastic i highly recommend gantz as well it's also got some live adapt uh live action adaptations and a great anime movie um, but yeah, there's just tons of stuff. Obviously, it is, and you might be able to just be like, well, that's kind of a stretch saying Battle Royale and then the Battle Royale video game things, but like the name directly comes from right. from this. Like that's where it comes from. Um, that's the the whole thing. So that's pretty cool. Um, I absolutely love this movie. Yeah. Um, I could talk at length about the differences and stuff and i always every you know few years get a wild hair of like wanting to revisit the the movie or the manga or or even just go on a wikipedia page and read like literally breakdowns of like in the novel this character gets killed this way this character dies that way they do this um and i very much recommend all three of these yeah all three different variations of this because they are different at the end of the day it is sort of the same story beats start middle finish mm-hmm. but in the novel in the manga you get a lot more characterization of characters who aren't really big in the story you get more backstory you get explanations for things you get different characters different story beats different people die different ways different things happen so each one you can quite literally you might know how it's going to end you might know who the last 
survivors are or yeah. something, but the road along the way has different turns. So I love cool. it. I suggest watching it. I suggest reading it. I suggest reading the manga. Again, you'd have to look online because it's out of print. Um, at least in the United States, or at least uh, like Western English translations are out of print. You could probably find, you might be able to find Japanese copies maybe. I don't know if those are still in print or not, but obviously I don't speak Japanese. so You don't? I don't read Japanese either. Unfortunate. I think that... I think that this is also kind of one of those things, you know, in the movie La La Land, where her whole point with him and Jazz is people are going to be interested in it because you're passionate about it. I think it's one of those things for, for you. Like, you're very passionate about some things, and that, that made me really, really interested to see it. And I think other people will feel the same way. I, again, if I didn't have a backlog of, like, 13 books that I need to read because I paid money for them. I want to read the actual novel of it one day. I want to see. I want to know what the yeah, Maybe is. once you get through the other like six books yeah. I've bought for you. Yeah. I've got a lot of books <laughs> I'm supposed to read. Um, but I. Because I, if I still had it, you would have been like, I want to get into reading again. I would have thrown it at your face so fast. <laughs> I'd have been like, hold that thought. Watch out. I, I, I do, I really want to read it. I want to see what the comparisons are between the movie and the book. I've always loved that. And again, I love the Hunger Games. I love dystopian stuff. And you saying that in the book, some of this stuff is like harder to swallow is fascinating to me. Um, so yeah, I, I love the movie. I'm glad that you introduced me to it. Yeah, the movie is kind of tame in comparison to that's what makes me some wanna, of the other that's what makes stuff. Me read Obviously, because there's a lot of things in it you can't actually... I mean, without making, I don't know, like an X-rated movie or yeah. something, you probably couldn't really get, get away with. Um, I'm interested in that, and I'm interested in looking into what you were talking about, like the cultural... Um, nods to it. I want to go back and research There's, what's what's what people. What's the T-shirt? What's what are people yeah. talking about? What's the yeah. comparison? There's a lot to it that I don't think general audiences would pick up on, and that the, the movie I don't think does quite an excellent job of getting the point across that one of the themes, sort of, or one of the points to the story itself. Um, when it comes to totalitarian fascist mm -hmm. rulership um, is that it pits it's pitting friends against friends mm -hmm. and it's kind of like what will it take for your friend to stab you in the back right. will you ally with somebody you don't like to take o take out somebody else and all of this is to undermine the citizens who are standing up in revolt. The movie's a bit different in that they very clearly say delinquent students, um, and they're trying to like curb the, the crime weight and, and delinquency with young people who are against adults, where the novel and stuff is very much like the government's trying to repress the people, right. and this is the way that they see to do it. Because in history, you get fascist, totalitarian situations where through fear and aggression and violence they will tear people apart so that they then look at like one strong figurehead and rally around him that's yeah. what happened in germany after world war 
one basically um so it's it's got a lot of like deeper themes and sort of meanings to it that maybe the movie doesn't exactly get across great Mm -hmm. but i think that there's enough there that it's easy you know if you watch it and you kind of want to know more want to know you've you've got more you can go read the novel yeah Look up online and read the manga. You have many outlets and sources to do. Um, the manga is probably the roughest version, just because it is illustrated. And yeah, a lot of things are very, very, and I mean very graphic. I, Hard I'm i sure there's more graphic stuff out there. Gantz is pretty close to it in graphicness. Um, but the illustrations are, like, amazing. But it's also very, 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 very sexual. Lots of nudity and and murder sex stuff going on in there. Um, all anyway, I know, all I know is that if we were put somewhere and all of us received a weapon and you got an Uzi and I got a pot lid, I'm gonna be fucking pissed. <laughs> you keep the pot lid. Okay. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think that's the end of it. Yeah. Um, I love it. If that wasn't clear, she enjoys it. I enjoy it. Uh, very much go watch it. If you haven't watched it in a long time, maybe this has convinced you to watch it again. Also, go, go, Yubari. She's yeah, great. go, go, Yubari. Yeah. She's fantastic. <laughs> also, watch everything else we mentioned. Yeah. If you can find Azumi and Azumi 2, they are some great samurai films with a female lead. Super badass character. Azumi is awesome. Love it. Um, we love a badass lady. But yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you. Uh, you know, share this, like it, listen to the other ones if you haven't listened to them. We appreciate all the feedback and positivity, and uh, we'll see you next week. Recommend stuff if you want us to talk about something specific. Yeah. All right. Throw them at us. (laughs) Okay. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye.